We're in our series, uh, Jesus Nailed It. For 2,000 years, people have wondered, is he who he says he was? Does his death have meaning beyond itself? Is his way the way? And over these last six or seven Sundays that we've had so far, we've been thinking about the resurrection and we've been thinking about the way that when God broke into time and space and raised Jesus bodily from the tomb, basically God was saying yes to all of those questions. And basically God was saying, uh, yes, my son has nailed it. Nailed the issue about who he is. Nailed the issue about the meaning of his death. Nailed the issue about who we should follow. Nailed the issue about who we should serve. Nailed the issue about who we are following and one day where we will be. And in the midst of that, Jesus said something in common to all the disciples And he said it again and again, almost every time he met with them in different ways, he said the same thing, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. We find it in um, in Mark's Gospel this morning. We could find it in any of the others. Mark chapter uh, 16 and verse 9 following, you'll notice, has a little note in your your, um, Bibles that this is a later manuscript, a later edition. You will know that at the beginning of this series, I preached on the first part of Mark chapter 16 and thought it was only right to come back to this particular chapter now. Well, why was there a later edition? Was it because the story was cut short in the way that I described some weeks ago? Was it because this particular gospel was being sent on to other people who needed more of the end of the story? We do know that Mark is the earliest gospel, uh, or most likely to be the earliest gospel. Uh, And whatever else has been added, was it by the same author or a different author? All of those issues in the end uh, sort of just recede into insignificance as we recognize the authority of these verses and how they interrelate to all the other gospel stories that we have. So, for example, uh, verses 9 to 11 is very similar to the appearance of Mary, uh, to the appearance to Mary and could be part of the same story. Verses 12 to 13 is like the Emmaus walkers that Claire talked to us about some weeks ago. Verse 14 is the same as the appearance to the 11. And verse 15 to 18 shares in common with the other Gospels. Because every time Jesus appeared to the disciples, he commissioned them. He gave them something to do. This is what I have done. This is what I will do. This is where I am now. But this is what you need to do as part of that partnership. And verses 15 to 18 are the same. You see, the risen Jesus sends us. We are a sent people. And you've heard me say before, But in church life, we can focus on getting people seated, whereas Jesus focused on getting people sent. We can be busy with a pull, a drag in, but Jesus with his group was busy with a a push out. We're called to go rather than to stay. The risen Jesus sends us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Sent to the whole 
world. That makes us think way beyond where we are now. If I talk about the whole world, you usually don't think about your neighborhood. You think about some other place, far-flung place that maybe you've visited or you long to visit. But Jesus described what he meant by the whole world. Firstly, in Jerusalem, right where you are. And then a little bit further in Judea, people that are that are uh, a bit further away but quite similar. People in Samaria, people that are not too far away geographically but quite different culturally. And then on to the ends of the earth. Going to all the world, to each group of people quite literally and make disciples. To each network and neighborhood. To the railway enthusiasts in Ipswich if there are any, to the running community in Ipswich, to the the people that live uh, on London Road. And this is the major kind of uh, uh, picture I want to leave with you this morning. That when we talk about Jesus sending us, it's much more about lifestyle than it is about location. Whatever Jesus did with those disciples, he invited them to start right where they were. It's about lifestyle, not location. It's about our attitude rather than the area where we find ourselves. It's about my mindset rather than where I'm placed on the map. And Jill, a few moments ago, in that testimony to the physio gave an incredible example of what it means to be sent without moving location anywhere. She related to her physio as someone who had been sent by a greater authority. Uh, And that's a a brilliant picture. And Katie's going to come and share another picture. And I didn't know that Jill was going to say what she said in the way that she said it this morning. But perhaps God's got something to say to us. In a team meeting this last week, just for a few moments, Katie was giving thanks about something. And I go, that's it. That's what it means to be sent without actually going anywhere. Katie, would you come? (laughs) I wrote it down so I wouldn't go off tangent. So forgive me for reading. Um... For those of you that don't know me, my name's Katie, and I'm married to Barney, and together we have five children, the youngest of which is Jemima, who you may have seen wandering around with me in pink frilly dresses for most of her life. Um, For many reasons, um, Jemima is our little miracle, and there's lots of reasons for that, and I can't explain them all now. There are more stories to share, but she was a promise from God from a very long time ago. God promised her to me before I even met Barney. Um, God told me I would have a little girl, and he showed me what she would look like in visions. So when I fell pregnant, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that she was my little girl. Um, And so during the pregnancy, I shared that story with everybody. And a lot of you here have had that story, but some of you won't. But I I did. I shared it with everybody I met. I was pregnant. She was going to be a little girl. She was going to have blonde, wavy hair and blue eyes. And that was just the way she was going to be. Um, When Jemima was born, her hair was black. Completely black. Dark black, no blonde, completely black. Um, But even then, I knew with utter certainty that she was going to have the blonde, wavy hair that God had promised me. Because he'd made that vision and those conversations with me so clear that I didn't waver in my faith at all. She was going to have blonde, wavy hair. And so again, I told everybody. So my midwife who came to the house when she was three days old, 
I shared the whole story with her, and she's looking at this little girl with dark black hair, and I'm beaming away, going, and God's promised me this beautiful little girl with blonde, wavy hair. Um, Last week, I took Jemima for her two-year checkup, and the midwife we saw was the same midwife that I'd had when she was three days old. Um, When Jemima's hair was black, and I'd been promising her that she was going to have blonde hair, just like God had said. Um, she said to me, I, d- I didn't realise she was the same midwife because three days old baby, brain not with you, not really knowing what anybody looks like. Um, but she said to me, I remember you. This is your little little God gift. This is your little miracle. And she went, and you're right, her hair is blonde. And she was amazed and she reminded me that I needed to stay amazed, that I needed to continue to thank God for that. But it was lovely that I could have that conversation with her again and share again how she had been a promise from God that she was our miracle for many, many reasons. And it was a good conversation to have again and a good way to remember and thank God again that he does what he says and that all we have to do is have faith and share that with those around us. That's it. Thinking then about being sent right where we are, about lifestyle, that openness rather than any location. The risen Jesus sends us with good news. We are whole beings and only a small percentage of what we share is actually communicated through our words. When the person with the sandwich board shouts quite loudly at the entrance to the town centre, he or she, it's usually he, will say they are sharing good news. But it doesn't feel very good most of the time. Because what we share is much richer than simply the words that we say. So, so what does it mean for you to be sent by the risen Jesus to be, to embody, to communicate good news. Are you good news to those Jesus has already sent you to? Are you the kindest, gracious, most life-giving member of your family? Are you the best neighbor anyone could possibly have? Are you the work colleague where everyone wants to be on your team? Are you good news? You know when you're in a a stifly environment or the heating is on too much or it's just claustrophobic for the smoke in the air or something and you for the first time get to the fresh air and there's that that kind of um, almost like a smell to it. Do you know what I'm talking about? That fresh smell, and it, the first time you get it, it's just an amazing feeling. Are you fresh air where the risen Jesus has already sent you? If you're not, then you're not much used to Jesus just now in that place. If you are, then simple conversations with midwives will be remembered two years on. Because simple conversations make a difference. But if you're angry and grumpy and irritable and proud and self-pitying where Jesus has sent you, you will create a different aroma. What's your smell? What's your smell? 
For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. Not everyone will like your smell if you're full of light and hope and vibrancy. But some will. Some people stink, don't they? You notice that. What smell do you leave behind? What's the fragrance? If you needed to name your fragrance, what would it be? The risen Jesus sends us with good news for all. All creation, all the world, all the networks, all the peoples, all the groups, all the pathways of relationships. As we come into those places and neighborhoods and networks with our aroma, aroma lingers, whether it be good or bad. You can enter a room after someone has left and still smell the good or the (laughs) not so good smell. We are called to create that fragrance where Jesus has already sent us. There is a lovely thing that happens here on a Sunday a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time, people come into this place and they say, I can feel the love. That's a good thing, isn't it? People come in and say, I I feel the love. I, I can smell something in here that's different from what I smell in different uh, places and atmospheres uh, around my everyday life. The trouble is, 95% of people will not come in here to get the smell. And so where the risen Jesus has sent us becomes way, way more important than the smell that we generate when we are in here. And sometimes the whole person of peace idea is that you just go to people that you, that you kind of connect with and so on is, is misunderstood. We are invited to take the fragrance of Jesus into every place. And we are invited by that same Jesus to look in those places where we go for the person that will give us the initial welcome, the person that will give us the initial step in through the door, the person that will begin to create an opening. And where there is no opening, go to another place where you can be that fragrance. Good news for all, because it's good news of Jesus. Do you know, uh, I'm left to my own devices, I stink a bit. So do you. But there's something amazing about the transformation that Jesus brings, that he can cause an aroma of life where there was a smell of death. A beautiful fragrance that gives life where there might have otherwise been a stench that drags others down. We can't separate anything of what we do from Jesus. Without Jesus, we're just peddling some social service or peddling some self-help group. It doesn't matter how much people are blessed by us in the natural or people say they're blessed by church. People need the fragrance of Jesus. And I'm a carrier. And so are you. 
And the risen Jesus therefore sends us with good news to be received. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. People need to receive it. It is a matter of life and death. And we don't want to misunderstand each other. We, we are desperate for the full gospel. We long for people to be free of debt. And we long for people to be free of addiction. We long for people to find stable relationships. We long for people to be released from poverty, to be in strong community. But you can sound in the end just like a political manifesto. There is a deeper, richer, greater longing that will always transcend all these things. It's the longing for Jesus. And you're a carrier. And so am I. The life is found not in better housing or better economic conditions or better this, that or the other. Even though we will fight for those things because this is God's world. And he cares about every person in it. But we will fight not only for those things. But in the middle of those things, the life-giving presence of Jesus will be made known. Interesting that baptism is right in the middle here. Believe and be baptized. That was the place of belonging. That's how they celebrated this new life that they found in Jesus. But notice that the baptisms didn't happen in here. The baptisms happened out there where people were meeting the risen Jesus. I'm looking forward to our first baptisms in the community rather than in the church. And that'll be a great sign that we're moving the momentum. The push out, not the pull in. We're sent, not called to stay. It's not about being seated, but it is about being sent. Because it's a matter of life and death. Good news. That's to be received. And in that context, there's a promise. If you are a sent people, and if you are taking the reality of Jesus out into the world, if you have decided that you will go, and if you are an advocate for the risen Jesus, where he has already sent you to be, then you can expect certain things. But what I've noticed about the church, of which I am very much a part, I am the problem as much as any solution. What I've noticed about the church is that we want to experience all these things in the church. We want a church that's miraculous. And we want a church where the demons are driven out. We want a church where people speak in new tongues. We want a church where people pick up snakes. That's not a euphemism for someone else in the church. I think they meant literal snakes in that. And we want a church where we can drink deadly poison. Uh, that's the only one, incidentally, that didn't um, get attested to in the rest of the New Testament. So I've got some deadly poison here and we just give it a go because it's the only one that hasn't been tried. Nervous laughter from around the room getting awkward now but we want it in here and it doesn't say that these signs will accompany those who believe in a sense that that's what will happen on the street was it john wimber that says the meat is on the street what was he saying he was saying you don't get the reality of god's presence ultimately in here because that's not what the risen jesus has asked us to do he's asked us to gather that we might be sent not that we might gather in order to gather and we're looking for more demonstration, aren't we, of the power of God? More stories like Jill's, aren't we? More reality of God at work. But the promise is that he will be with us, confirming those signs, not as we gather, but as we're sent. 
Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you. But, but the condition is we've already been sent. I'll be with you there in the sending. Let me drink some dreadly poison. And so the invitation. We don't see enough of the stuff, and we long to see more of it. What miraculous intervention do you need where Jesus has sent you? What miraculous intervention do you need where Jesus has sent you? So we're sent. To whom are you sent? To whom are you sent? To whom has the risen Jesus already sent you? What's your smell when you're there? Uh, Who is the first there that you think will find Jesus? Not the last person. Who's the first person that will find Jesus? And what signs is God seeking to do there, in your sent place, in your office, in your school? the classroom, in the lecture hall, in the playground, in the recreation club, what, in the neighborhood, what, there, what, what does the risen Jesus want to do there to confirm his presence? Then the disciples went out and the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that accompanied it. Just in these few moments, I invite you just to sit, remain quiet. I want you to think about those questions. To whom are you sent? What, what's your smell when you're there? Who's the first that's likely to be saved? And what signs is the Lord seeking to do? And as you just get a stirring in your heart, you get a little vision, you get a little bit of enthusiasm, you get, yes, I can see afresh what God's called me to. Just invite you in these moments to quietly stand. When you get to that moment, go, yeah, I'm standing, Lord, because I see it. I, I, I hear it. I'm with you in it. Let's be quiet.